because it was such a big goal, like be the first woman to do this thing. Yeah. It gave me permission to not do it. When you can't board your flight, how do you persist forward with grace? When they lose your luggage, how do you still hike a mountain in Russia? When life throws you curveball after curveball, how do you prevent it from taking you into a downward spiral so you can stay resilient? Well, Jen Drummond is the only woman on the planet who has climbed the second highest summits on each of the seven continents. And oh yeah, did I mention that she has seven kids? If anyone has the answers to building resilience, it's her. You're listening to the Best You Podcast, where we teach you the healthy habits you need to look and feel like your best you. My name is Nick Carrier, and I'm an entrepreneur and body optimization coach who has coached over 600 people through my program, The 10-Week Transformation. The 10WT makes it simple for former athletes who struggle to prioritize health and fitness to regain the confidence that they once had in their health. If this is your first time here, make sure you click the follow button on the Apple Podcast app or on Spotify so you don't miss out on any of the future episodes. Today we have Jen Drummond. Jen is a mom of seven. She's a successful business owner and world record holder. And today she's going to make you want to run through a freaking brick wall after sharing her stories, after sharing her lessons from her world record breaking performance of climbing the second highest summits on each of the seven continents. And be sure to go grab her book, Break Proof, Seven Strategies to Build Resilience and Achieve Your Life Goals. I promise you it's an absolute gem. Again, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, make sure you hit the follow button. Make sure you're subscribing if you're watching on YouTube. But for now, it's time to get closer to your best you with Jen Drummond. All right, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Best You Podcast. Today, I'm super excited to be joined by the ultimate badass. Uh, Jen Drummond is joining me today, and I've been looking forward uh, to doing this podcast for a while now. I finished Jen's book uh, probably a little over a month ago now and was just so motivated by it and inspired by it, and I know so many of you guys uh, listening today are going to be as well. We're going to talk about goal setting. We're going to talk about talking about how to be persistent with our goals while also having the ability to pivot and turn on a dime if need be um, about how to be resilient if we feel like we're not making progress. We're going to hear some amazing stories from her and her uh, seven second summits um, and we're going to just talk all about it. So I'm really excited today. But the way I want to start is about coming up with the goal of the seven second summits because I think a lot of people that are listening to this podcast, they're they are high achievers, they're strivers, and they know they need to set goals. They know they need to get themselves out of their comfort zone. But then at the same time, anytime you have an idea of a goal, there's always a reason not to do it. There's always, it's, it costs too much, it's going to take too much time, it's going to take too much of a sacrifice. So how did you like come up with this goal and how did you really know that it was going to be worth the time, money, and the sacrifice? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, one, the goal evolved which I think is kind of important to talk about because we set goals and maybe once we start pursuing that or that starts becoming familiar, then something opens up that's even wider or bigger and to not discount that. So for example, I was going to climb a mountain for my 40th birthday in 2020. The mountain I was going to climb was named Ama de Blom. If we remember 2020, COVID entered the scene. And so I wasn't going to be climbing any mountain anywhere because I wasn't allowed to travel. And I was a homeschool teacher to my beautiful children. Well, one day when I was homeschooling, one of my kids was struggling with their math. And I'm like, listen, buddy, we do hard things. You've got this. 
And my son looks at me and he goes, if we do hard things, why are you climbing a mountain called I'm a dumb blonde instead of a real mountain like Mount Everest? I'm like, it's Ama de Blom, honey, not I'm a dumb blonde, but thank you. We'll look at Everest. So we did. He went to bed. I was still looking at Everest. And I thought to myself, you know what? If I'm going to climb a mountain, why not have it be Everest? If this kid thinks that's the hardest thing in the whole world, I'm going to climb it and show him whatever our Everest is we're capable of summiting. So my idea started as climbing a mountain. My son upped it to like the biggest mountain in the world. And then when I hired a coach to help make that goal possible, because it was so hard, I didn't know how to do that without hiring somebody to help me. That coach said, like, buy this book about becoming an uphill athlete. So I bought the book about becoming an uphill athlete. In the front of it, there was a foreword about a lady who got a Guinness World Record for doing something in the Alps. I had a conversation with my coach. Um, I was not having a great day, I'm guessing. I don't know. I'm trying to replay it back in my mind. But I told him, like, if I got a Guinness World Record, my kids would think I'm cool. I want a Guinness World Record. I could have done what this chick did. He's like, okay, I'll think of something. And so then he came up with the seven second summits. Like he called me one day and he goes, Jen, I have the perfect Guinness world record for you. You should become the first woman in the world to climb the seven second summits. And when he said that to me, I'm like, it sounded like you just said a tongue twister. I don't even know what you're talking about. He's like, well, let me explain it. He goes, the seven second summits are the second highest point on each of the seven continents. It's actually harder than the first seven, and it's only been done by one male. So you'd be the first woman in the world to do this thing. And for some reason, like when he, and then he goes like, think about it, Jen, seven mountains, seven continents, seven children. It sounds like a jackpot. And when he phrased it like that, I'm like, it does sound like a jackpot. And it sounded really exciting and blah, blah, blah. And I said yes before I had any rational reason to say no. And I had yeah. rational reasons to say, no, I had not slept in a tent before. Okay. So like, there was no way that this made sense, but, but for some reason I had that whole body. Yes. And I leaned into that. So for people that are listening, one, understand, like set the goal, but let it change, let it evolve, let it get bigger or wider or deeper or stronger or whatever, or, and let it not make sense. Like we get this one chance at life. It doesn't all have to make sense. Have fun, play with it, see what happens. Yeah, I, I love it for a lot of different reasons. I think that, like you said, go after something and then something else might unfold or might come to fruition because of it. And then I also think that communicating your goals to other people can just open or unlock so many other opportunities. And that person revealed to you something that you never even thought about because you weren't really in that world. And so that really brought to light this this whole goal in and of itself. Yeah. 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 And for me, because it was such a big goal, like be the first woman to do this thing. Yeah. It gave me permission to not do it. Like if I fail, okay, guess what? No one's done it before. So no big deal. At least I'm out there trying and whatever I learn in this pursuit is going to make me a better human. So let's just see what happens. So when, when he tells you this and you, didn't necessarily have all the background information of what all it was going to take. You didn't have a rational reason necessarily to say no. If you did maybe know all that went into it, maybe you, you would have said no on the onset of it. So I, I'm kind of interested in the physical part of it. So like right when you learn about this, what does your 
physical training immediately start to look like? Like how, how, what, what changes, what do you add in? What do you start to do more of everything like that? Yeah. Well, I hired a coach to help with the physical training aspect of it because I was so fearful. Like I didn't know how much training I needed. So I'd have a tendency to over cushion, right? I would have overtrained myself all day long. I know this about myself. And so hiring a coach allowed me to kind of relax into the training a little bit and just trust them. Okay. They've gotten people up Everest before they're going to be able to get me up. I just need to work this plan. Um, and so then once I decided I was doing this thing, then we looked at what Everest would take. We looked at when Everest was and we started backing into it, right? Like, where am I today? What skills am I lacking? What skills do I need to develop? What's my biggest day on the mountain? What's my biggest like hurdle? And knowing what those were, then we could recreate those in our environment here in Utah. And everything we did, we did harder than what would actually be on the mountain because mm. that allowed me to relax into my training and know like, okay, I'm trained. Now I just need to take in this current environment that I'm in or have that be the variable, not have my fitness be the variable. What When you say you did everything harder than what it would be on the mountain, give me an example of what that might be. Yeah. Um, okay. So if our longest day was going to be 10 hours. I would be out there for 14. Like I had a couple 14 hour day training sessions. And if it was a blizzard, all the better. And he would sometimes have me do it at night in the pitch dark because things are a lot scarier at night than they are during the day. And your mind runs and all this kind of stuff. So you have to learn how to train your brain to be like, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. And guess what? When I'm in that environment, like on Everest, my brain was like, oh, I've been here before. I've done these long nights before. I've done, like I've hiked in the dark. And so it just made things easier because I knew I'd done harder. Mm, yeah, for sure. No doubt about that. Yeah, and there are so many amazing stories. You guys need to make sure you go get Breakproof, uh, Breakproof 7 Strategies to Build Resilience and Achieve Your Life Goals. So many great stories, and we're going to get to some of them today. Um, but the next thing I want to ask about, especially kind of on the onset of the whole journey is about like the conversation with your family. Because I know that, for example, when I coach people with their fitness goals, I have people who want to be healthier, but it's really important for them to have conversations with family members, like their significant others, about how they need to be, they need them to be supportive of their healthy choices. Um, they need maybe them to help out around the house more when they're out exercising or stuff like that. So talk to us about the conversation that you had with your family and how to navigate that so the people around you in your corner can be supportive of you. Yeah. So a key thing to setting a new goal or for yourself is to really make sure you believe in this goal a thousand percent because your family knows you. And if they don't get that confidence from you, then that like signals them to start poking at your goal a little bit and like starting to beat you down. So when I decided to climb Everest, my mom was not my first phone call because if my mom was my first phone call, she would be like, you're not doing that. That's silly. You have children like da, 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 da. Like she would have listed a million things that would deflated my pursuit. My first phone call was to a coach that had coached people before. Then that coach introduced me to people that had climbed Everest before. So then I went out to lunch with them and I got to know them. And all of a sudden, when I called my mom, hey, I'm going to climb Everest, the tone of my voice, the energy behind it, like there, she mm -hmm. knew there was no way that I wasn't climbing Everest. So she either had a choice of supporting me or like she was going to be excluded from this part of my life. 
And lucky for me, my parents and everybody were supportive because of the confidence that I brought into that. In the book and in the in my life, one of the things I talk about is big mountains take big teams. So mm -hmm. if you have a big fitness goal or you have a big health goal or you have a big business goal or whatever that goal is, the bigger it is, the bigger the team you need to make it happen. And so if you set a goal and you find yourself negotiating with it or trying to dial it back or saying, just kidding, that isn't a sign to do those things. It's a sign to stop and check in with yourself and say, hey, do I have enough people to really make this goal come to life? Like you said earlier, did you include your spouse and say, like, when you go grocery shopping, can you leave the Twizzlers at the store? Because if they're in my kitchen, I'll eat them. Or, hey, I'm going to do this big run on Friday. Do you mind doing dinner? And I'll come back and do the dishes at night. Like you have to communicate with those around you so they know how to support you to help you get to the top. Mm. No, I, so many good things there. And I love how you started off with you have to be like super convicted and super convinced of the goal yourself or else they're not going to. They're not going to be able to back you as strongly and they're not going to believe that you're actually going to do it and maybe not be there to support you as much as you actually need. So I really think that that is the foundation. Like you have to show them that you mean business when it comes to whatever this goal is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always look at it as my environment is mirroring my internal story. So if mm. my environment is not supportive... That's a cue for me to look into myself and be like, where am I not supporting myself? Where am I self-sabotaging? Where am I not giving this message that A is A, we're doing this thing? Mm, that's good. My environment is mirroring my internal story. That's good. That's good. Um, the, ne the next place I want to go is around imperfect starts. Now, I have a program called the 10-Week Transformation, and it's a, it's a health and fitness goal-setting program. And so oftentimes there will be people who in the first couple of weeks, maybe don't have as good of a start as they might like to, and they get really down. And if they don't feel like they have a good start, then they've screwed up their entire 10 weeks. And you have a perfect story that kind of um, embodies how you can come back from an imperfect start. So I'm going to kind of intro the story, and then I'm going to have you kind of run with the story after that. So basically, you're getting ready to go on this hike in Russia on a mountain called Diktau. And you felt like you had prepared as much as you could. You felt like you physically prepared, you mentally prepared, you had the right conversations with the right people who had maybe done it before. You had like the perfect gear all lined up. You had your travel visas and everything. You had your flights planned from Salt Lake to Paris to Moscow to the airport in Southwest Russia that I could not pronounce. Uh, and then you were boarding, you were getting ready to board your plane for Salt Lake City, in Salt Lake City, I believe, and you handed over your boarding pass. And that's essentially where the imperfect start begins. So take over where you hand over the boarding pass. I give them my boarding pass and I'm like, okay, I am going to, here's where I'm going. They're like, all right, perfect. So I fly to Amsterdam. And then from Amsterdam, I'm close to fly to Russia. I land in Amsterdam. I check the next flight. They're like, yep, everything's good. I go take a little nap in the lounge. I go back to the airport spot and I'm like, hey, it's Jen. I'm here to board. They're like, oh, we're sorry. You can't board this plane. You're not a Russian citizen. I'm like, yeah, I've been an American the entire time we've been here. When I checked in like six hours prior and you said everything was good, I was an American then. And she's like, yeah, right now, because this is post-COVID, September of 2021, she's like, the only way you can enter Russia is through London, Istanbul, or Paris. And so we need to reroute you through one of those airports to come in because this is a repatriation flight. I'm like, all right, fine. So they've like, I go to the head 
people at the airport. They send me through Paris. I land in Moscow. The guides meet me at the counter where you're like waiting for the bags to come around the carousel and my bags don't come. And so then we go talk to baggage claim like, yeah, actually, we have no clue where your bags are. We can't even tell you if they're here or Amsterdam or Paris or whatever, but we'll find them. And the guy, my guides are like, they're not going to find them like in the weather's right now. So we either go now or you're not going to climb this mountain. And I was like, okay, I just spent weeks curating this gear and everybody's told me this is a really technical climb. So you have to have things that fit. So you have dexterity. I don't think we're going to find what I need at a rental store, but I'm willing to try it. And here's the thing. At that point, I decided I'm not going to summit. I'm just going to collect as much data as I can. The closer I get to the top, the more information I know. So when I come back, I'm stronger. So I'm like, okay, we're just going to see what happens. We go to a rental store. Anybody who's listening, a rental store in Russia is the size of a 7-Eleven here in the United States. And instead of just being a gas station convenience store, it's also a pharmacy. It's also like a Target and a Home Depot and a TJ Maxx, like all in this teeny tiny little building. So we go in there and we're trying to find stuff for me. And I'm a smaller human and I have to rent a jacket that we have to roll the sleeves, a backpack that we have to tie around my arms so it doesn't fall off my shoulders, boots that are three sizes too big with two pairs of socks on, like all the things. I'm like, it's okay. Everything I get, every step I take is helpful. Any step I take is helpful. And we get on the mountain and we're doing well. We're doing well. We're doing well. We ran, we summit, which is unheard of, like in perfect conditions and perfect gear, one in six teams summits, right? I mean, it just does not happen. We get off the mountain and it is an ugly performance, friends that are listening. This isn't like, hey, let's put this on Nat Geo. There's sections of this mountain that I'm butt scooting down. Okay. There's sections of this mountain that I'm slithering like a snake because we're in an electrical storm and we don't want to get electrocuted. There is section, I mean, it is the ugliest performance I've ever seen. But it reminded me of a conversation I had with a soccer coach once. And I was always trying to line up for that perfect goal, right? Like I wanted to hit the net and then run down the back of it and be in the net. And my coach is like, hey, Drummond, no one remembers what your goal looks like. They remember the score. So get the ball mm -hmm. in the net and then worry about your pretty goal. But until you have a game, like a, we're ahead, I don't care about the pretty goal. I just want the ball in the net. And that reminded me of that scenario. And so all of a sudden I come back to the United States. No one asked me what my climb looked like or how it was or anything like that. They just asked me if I summited. Yes, I did. And six months later, Russia closes because of the Ukraine-Russian war. And I'm not allowed to go to Russia right now as a U.S. citizen. So I would not have the record if I was waiting for the perfect conditions. You just have to make use of what you have and hope for a Hail Mary pass sometimes. Mm, gosh, that's so good. So many good things in there, but I love the that no one remembers what the goal looks like. They remember that you scored. And I also want to go back to when you said how you had kind of changed your mindset to where you had like decided I'm I'm not going to be summoning, but I'm going to be able to learn from this experience. I'm going to be able to get some data and be able to learn so that when I come back, I'll be able to do it. Do you feel like if you hadn't had made that mindset shift if you're in that store and you have everything that does not fit but you still had the mindset of like i have to do the summit or i'm not doing it at all do you think that if you had not made that mindset shift that you'd have been like you know what screw it i'm going home yeah i think giving yourself space for a different outcome allows your entire experience to be different 
Because if every single time something went wrong and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to summit now. I'm not going to summit now. I'm not going to summit now. That is like, it's just, it's setting that goal so far away because so many things are sending me backwards instead of forwards where all of a sudden when the goal no longer was to summit, the goal was just to experience as much as I could. Then it was like, oh, this is just part of the experience. Oh, this is just part of the experience. It was, it gave me permission to be okay instead of tallying a bunch of negativity thing, like negative things that were working against me. Yeah. Well, I also love that. I think that's relatable to people in a health and fitness journey. Like so many people get way too outcome focused or result focused or metric focused with health and fitness journeys. And so like, what if you approach your goal with rather than success is I hit a certain number on a scale or I hit this certain metric. What if success is more about, I want to be able to learn as much about my body as I can, or I want to learn about as much about nutrition as I can, or I really want to work on like improving my form with specific exercises. Like if you can change what your definition of success is that can allow you to navigate through your goal through the process of your goal with probably a whole lot more mental peace than just having this one narrow definition oh definitely and i i mean here's the story i climbed mount everest i made it to the top i was on the top of mount everest for 10 minutes yeah I trained 1,238 hours for 10 minutes. And I sit there and think like how much of our life is like, I want to get to this weight or I want to get to this lifting thing, or I want to have this thing happen. And then I'm going to be celebrating. Like, tell me how many people celebrate longer than 10 minutes, whatever that thing is. Like you get a raise and you're already ready for like the next raise or the next thing or the next piece. And so it really reminded me that life is lived in the pursuit the destination gives us the like the boundaries to make decisions around. Is this going to bring me closer to my goal or farther away from my goal? And if it mm -hmm. brings you closer, then you keep saying yes, but nobody's perfect. And so understanding like, hey, this is part of my journey. This is going to be my story. This is my plot twist. And to continue on, that's where the win is. Yeah, well, and to piggyback off of that, I forget exactly what mountain it was. It might have been Mount Kenya where you get to the top of it and it's not this like amazing just view of everything that you could see as far as you can see it it's like you can maybe see three feet in front of you and that's it it was it was i'm like everybody had told me all about like being on top of mount kenya and blah 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 blah. i get up there and i'm in a total fog storm like i could be carrying this flag in front of like anything right now and it wouldn't matter because it doesn't show like the crazy dramatic view that i should have that's hidden in this storm but um, yeah, just really giving yourself the ability to have the experience and mm. how do you make the most of that experience and care use that to be part of your success meter. Right, right. No, I love it. I love it. Um, I, I love also what you say in your book about part of becoming breakproof is being able to turn on a dime and being able to be nimble and being able to be agile and be able to pivot. Like I know for me, for example, one of the big things that I talk a lot about with people um, in my program and on the podcast is like setting yourself up for success is preparing. Um, and like, for example, I was talking to somebody literally before um, our workout the other day, she was like planning on going to her kid's basketball practice and sitting on her computer and like looking at her calendar and planning things out. And then she gets there and there's no Wi-Fi, And so her plan just went, uh, went to crap. And then a lot of people will same thing. will like plan out workouts in their calendar, but then their kid is sick at school and they have to go pick them up and their day is more of a wash. Talk to us about how you can 
have a plan, but then a wrench gets thrown in that plan. How can we have a strong enough mindset so the disruption of the plan doesn't lead us in a downward mental spiral? Yeah. Um, I think for me, like I think it's gonna be different for all of us, but under for me, it's me knowing my kids are watching. My kids are mm. watching whatever I'm taking on, whatever challenge I have, whatever's happening. And nobody wants a story that goes A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? They yeah. want the story that goes like the setback and the overcoming and the whatever. And so I'm like, oh, here's my chance to prove to my kids, like, this is how you do hard things, or this is what this looks like, or this is how you navigate that. Because that's where, that's what we remember. Like when I climbed Everest, I don't remember the easy parts. I remember the hard parts where I'm challenged and it was ugly. And I'm like, what are we doing? And why are we here? And then when you get through that, that gives you so much confidence and satisfaction of who you are. Like, bring it. I'll I'll take it on. I got this. We're good. Yeah. No, I love it. That's that's actually the kind of the way that I try to think about it too. Like if I'm going on a run, like I don't necessarily like obviously going on a run and it's seven sunny and 75, it's great. But if I'm going on a run and it's cold and it's rainy, I try to just like picture myself in a movie. Like this just makes it more badass and everybody watching thinks it's uh, even cooler and cooler. So I, I love it. Um, I think I really want to, I really think that one of the biggest things that you did really well on a lot of your summits was your ability to break down the summit into small manageable manageable chunks breaking down the goals that you weren't looking um you weren't measuring progress by ridge lines by ridge lines but by just a few yards in front of you just kind of like talk about how important that was for you on the mountain to not think about the goal is the summit but rather the goal is a few feet in front of you and then a few feet in front of you and then a few feet in front of you talk about the importance of that mindset on your journey yeah um you know, sometimes our goals feel so far away and then we're in this like messy middle of them. And so it almost helps me more to look back than to look forward. When I look back, I'm like, look how far I've come or look how far, much progress we've made or whatever. Like, I don't want to give all this up. Like I already got all this going for me. Like we need to build off this momentum. So if things start feeling like heavy and overwhelming and like you want to stop, that means you're looking too far into the future. And that's a mm. cue to bring yourself back to the present moment and maybe even look in the back and say like, oh, this is what I've, where I've come from. This is where I am. Like we're doing good, da, 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 da. And so for me, when those stories start showing up, it isn't a chance to entertain them. It's a chance to stop them and then rewrite them from a different perspective because both perspectives are true. Mm. Yeah, no, that's, that's super good. I, I love that the idea of looking back rather than just looking forward sometimes because that provides us with so much motivation and hope and like, oh yeah, wait, like I've made that much progress in the past. I can make that much progress moving forward. I love how much that can fill us with confidence. Um, I think the way I want, I, I think the next place that I want to go is the importance of like continually having goals. I think that oftentimes people will set a goal and then after doing it, they don't really have anything. They don't have a plan for another goal that they're going to attack in the future. And as you said, you spent 10 minutes on Everest. You were could only see three feet in front of you at the top of Mount Kenya. Like the dopamine rush or the 
the lasting happiness of the goal, it's relatively fleeting. What are you what have you done to ensure that you still have a goal moving forward after the seven second summits, after the whole publishing of breakproof and the speaking tour and everything that you've been going on? Like how have you navigated setting a new goal moving forward? Yeah. Well, I think I always have a goal going on. Like, so for example, when everybody's like new year's resolution, new year's resolution, new year's resolution, I'm like, put me against anybody that has a new year's resolution and I'll lap them. Because if you're only looking at your goals once a year and setting a new year's resolution, you missed the boat friends. Like, I'm sorry, you should be setting goals on a monthly basis, a quarterly basis. Like just, it should be an instilled habit of who you are. And so when I knew I was coming up on Everest, I had goals past Everest. So it wasn't like, oh, I arrived and I'm done. And now what do I do with my life? It's like, oh, I got Everest done. Here's the next thing. Here's the next thing. When I finished this world record pursuit, I had a goal to sit still for a year, which any of us that are listening that are doers, that is a hard goal. Like give me something to do versus give me something to be and I'll be way more successful. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, okay, I know I need to rest and I know that's not easy. So my goal is to have a year of rest. But then it gave me like so much time to put other things in play and allow mm. myself to really be intentional about what these next goals are. And I'm taking my kids to go climb in Africa. I'm going to go do a trip in Switzerland. Like I have some other things that I'm super excited about because I always have something to be working towards. It's kind of like if you run a marathon and when you're done with the marathon and you go to the gym and you're like, I don't even know what to do. Because everything I was doing gave me like, I, I need to strengthen this muscle so that I don't blow up my knee or do whatever. And if you don't have something, your body's going to naturally do nothing. And I'm telling you right now, we are here to way too short of a time frame to be doing nothing. Like you should mm -hmm. be sucking every moment out of this life as much as possible because we do not get to choose when it ends. And it's going to mm -hmm. end faster than what you think. Mm. Man, that's so good. That's so good. Set me up against somebody who has a New Year's resolution and I'll freaking lap them. I love it. That fires me up. That fires me up. Um, honestly, the last, last question that I have, I'm just, I'm curious from a nutrition standpoint, when you guys are doing these hikes, what does nutrition look like? Do you sit down and, and pause and have meals? Do you eat as you hike? Do you do a little bit of combination of both? Because I know that, especially on some of the mountains, it was more important than others to really have that dialed in. So I guess on the ones that you really had to have it dialed in, give us a little bit of a glimpse of what maybe a really hard day of hiking would need to look like from a nutrition standpoint. Yeah. Um, the best offense is the best defense. So you're always trying to play offense and you're always eating for recovery. Right. Mm. So if you're eating to have calories to run this next section of the hike, you lost the game. So you're sitting there thinking, okay, what does my body need 12 hours from now to be able to be in the best position to rest and be able to come back at this tomorrow? When you're at high altitudes, which is different than if you're at sea level doing things, your body does not digest as well. And so you have to be very sensitive to what you're eating and what you're doing. So it's disgusting. I mean, I'm eating ramen noodles. I'm eating baked potatoes. I'm eating rice. I'm eating really simple starches that my body doesn't need to spend a ton of energy breaking down to get value out of it because it will cost mm. me too much energy to break it down and I won't get value out of it. I'll actually go backwards. And then the other piece of it is 
and just understanding like I am fit for like before I go on a climb, I gain weight and I gain weight because I know when I'm on that climb, I'm going to lose weight. And I need that fat to be able to be burned later because you're doing a lot of fat burning activities because we're staying so low threshold of our, mm -hmm. like our max heart rate. Right. So those are right. things to consider. Um, you crave when you get off the mountain, you crave greens and vegetables and fruits and all that stuff because you just don't have it. They can't keep spinach healthy at base camp. It's not going to happen. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, that was, that's awesome. That's awesome. So many great things today, Jen. This has been an absolute blast. Well, you guys need to make sure you go get breakproof seven strategies to build resilience and achieve your life goals. I know today you were absolutely fired up just by listening to her, by listening to a lot of the stories, a lot of the wisdom and everything like that. So make sure you go get the book. Make sure you follow her on Instagram at the Jen Drummond. Uh, obviously, I will have that all linked up in the show notes as well. But Jen, is there any other good place that people should go learn more about you and support you? Yeah, no, like check the website, check the social media handles. I have a gift for everybody that's listening today. If you want to text the word Everest to the number 33777, you're going to get a video of the Milky Way going over Everest Base Camp. And it is the most magical video. It's like 10 seconds or something. And anytime I'm getting overwhelmed or feeling like, oh my goodness, I can't do this thing. I look at that video and it recharges my soul and gives me that extra oomph to continue on. So that's yours for free. Text Everest to that number and reach out to say hi so I can cheer you on your pursuits. Hell yeah. I love it. Text Everest to 33777. Do I have that right? Awesome. I'm getting ready to do it right after we finish this. You guys make sure... You go get breakproof. Like I said, this book will fire you up. It'll get you to be thinking like, what is my goal going to be? And it's going to inspire you to actually set a goal. And then who knows what that goal could turn into when you start communicating to other people about it and everything like that. But Jen, I know everybody loved it. I know they're going to share it. You guys make sure you're subscribing to the episode if you're not yet already. But Jen, this was awesome. That's all we got today. Appreciate your time. Thank you. She goes, set me up against someone who has a New Year's resolution and I'll freaking lap them. Hell yeah, I absolutely love that. I hope it fired you up as much as it did for me. That interview is absolutely awesome. Make sure you text Everest to 33777 for her free gift to you. Again, text Everest to 33777. I already did it and it's such a freaking beautiful view of Mount Everest and the Milky Way passing over. If you're looking for a fitness program that can be flexible with your schedule, that focuses on nutrition and will hold you accountable so that you can regain the confidence that you once had in your health, then the virtual 10-week transformation just might be the right thing for you. Go try out our one-week free trial by going to nickcarrier.com slash free trial today. Again, nickcarrier.com slash free trial to get started today. Some of my biggest takeaways from Jen were the following. First, set some sort of goal and then let it evolve if it needs to. Let it get bigger and wider once you learn more and gain knowledge from others. But you have to set some sort of goal in the first place. Give yourself permission to redefine what success looks like for your goals. Maybe it's not a particular metric. Maybe it's not all or nothing. Maybe success is enjoying the ride, learning a lot. Maybe it's meeting new people. Maybe it's having new experiences and having new stories to tell. It doesn't have to be an all or nothing approach to every single goal. Next is no one likes a story that goes A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Everyone likes a story with roadblocks, with speed bumps. So when your story has snags in the road, when your progress isn't linear, just know that's what makes it a better story and keep freaking going. Sometimes it's helpful to look back rather than look forward. 
Sometimes it really helps our motivation to look back and actually see how far we've come and see how much progress we've made to give us that boost of motivation to keep moving forward. And lastly, set a rhythm of checking in on your goals and setting new goals more frequently than just every year. At least do it quarterly, if not monthly, and if not weekly. This interview with Jen was absolute fire. Again, make sure you hit the follow button on the Apple Podcast app or on Spotify. Make sure you share this episode with a friend or family member that you're looking to get fired up today. And most importantly, keep taking action closer and closer to your best you.